Amen. We're going to turn to the Bible, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, we're going to read a few portions of Scripture there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, there was a story I read about a uh, primary school, or I think it was in America, so they'll call it kindergarten school uh, lesson, where the teacher uh, was talking to the young children, and she asked an open question. She says, um, tell me what you know about whales. And people were going out, talking about whales, talking about this, and what they found out. They talked about different types of whales, uh, the colors of whales they've seen and nature programs and all these type of things. And then one sweet little girl raised up her hand and said, that I know that uh, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Bless her little cotton socks, right? Come on. And the teacher was, you know, smiled at her and said, um, that's impossible. Because uh, although the whales are large, they have a small throat, so they won't be able to swallow a human whole. And the little girl continued, she was adamant, she was like, well, no, I'm sure that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And at this point, the teacher got a little bit irate with the child in the, in the class, and she tried to school her and tell her all the reasons why it was um, physically impossible for a whale to swallow a grown man. It just wasn't going to happen. And the, the, the young girl said, well, my Bible tells me Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And she was carried on going back and forth, back and forth. And, um, and at the point, uh, the little girl just gave up because she realized the teacher's not going to back down. She said, uh, okay, listen, when I get to heaven, I'll just ask him. And the teacher said, um, well, what if he's not in heaven and he's in hell? You know, trying to be all nice. And then the little girl said, well, then you ask him. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, I love it. You've got to love little just innocence, right? You've got to love it. Because how many know, listen, <laughs> the word of God is true. Come on, how many know that right in this place? The Bible is the number one best-selling book of all time. And it's not because it was just, it's, you know, it's, it's a fancy thing. No, it's because it changes lives. It's because it's, it's, it's more than just words written on page, ink on paper. It, is a tr it transforms life. You know, one of the things I, I, I did uh, today, actually, was retire my old study Bible. Bless it. I know. I got, you know, I should have done a ceremony or something, but I, I, I got a new one. Here it is. Right, Look at this one. I got it right here. This is a new one. This is fresh, fresh gold leaf out here. And the reason I said, the reason I bring it is because the, one of the first scriptures I read in this book, the first one, I thought, you know, what? out of all the scriptures I could read in my new fresh uh, Bible that should last me a long time. One of the things I what could I read to start to kick it off, to kind of uh, uh, you know uh, initiate my new word, my new sword, and it's the scripture we're going to read today, found in Second Timothy, verse number three. We're going to read. I actually read from verse number sixteen, but we're going to read start from fourteen in this uh, portion of scripture. It says, uh, "Continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of." Uh, knowing from whom you have learnt them, and that from childhood you have known that the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
Verse number 16. This is the, what's the actual verse I actually read first in this book. It says, all scripture. How much of scripture? The whole of it. Not in part. Not just the New Testament. Not just the Gospels. Not just, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. We could just stop right there, couldn't we? We could just stop right there. That's, 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 we can write t-shirts on there. Listen, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And look at this, verse number 17, that the man of God, all woman of God, come on now, it's inclusive here, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Come on, that, that encapsulates why the Bible is the number one best-selling book of all time and will continue to be. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. So I want to break this down today in a sermon I've entitled, The Inspired Word. The Inspired Word. We've got to come to the realization that what I hold in my hand is not merely a book that contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. I mean, it's not just, you know, when I flip through the pages, I might find something that's divine. No, this whole entire book is the Word of God. And see, God takes pleasure in revealing himself. He takes pleasure in revealing himself to his children. The God of the Bible, the God that we serve, speaks. How many here believe God speaks in this place? Come on, wave your hands at me if you believe he speaks. Come on now. God speaks, I mean, he even spoke the universe into existence. He spoke it, he spoke words, and things began to happen when he spoke the words. Look at Psalms 33 and verse number 6. The Bible says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. There is power in the word of God. It is the word of God. The reason why we're here today is because of the word of God. The reason why we're drawing breath in our lungs is because of the breath that he deposited. The word of God is powerful. The Bible says that all scripture is inspiration of that. So I want to break down scripture. Verse number 15 of our text, and it says, uh, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. There's that word which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And it says all scripture is given. That word scripture, I mean, we may understand that word scripture, but what actually is scripture? What constitutes something being holy scripture as Paul is talking to Timothy here? We see, we understand that the Bible is a collection of books or writings or letters. Uh, we understand uh, that in these now, in our Bibles that we read today, we have chapter and verse, uh, uh, but we understand they were added later just for reference. Uh, not necessarily the, the chapter and verse were inspired, uh, but the collection of books and writings we have, uh, this is what we label as scripture, 66 books of the Bible. Who can tell me how many in the Old Testament? 39, God bless you, you've been reading your book. Okay, quick maths, how many in the New Testament? 27, okay, we have 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament, and with at least 40 different authors that we know over a period of 1,500 years, this was written. 
And we understand that the Old Testament is kind of a layered in a way. It includes certain books and it's called the canon of the Old Testament and the canon of the New Testament, which kind of brings the books together. And the canon is basically describing or considering what is considered to be holy, what is worthy enough to be considered holy scripture. How did they come to that conclusion? A a commentator said uh, that the various books that we have, um, they possess a divine authority and they exercise a divine authority long before people labeled them. In other words, all people had to do was recognize the divine authority. And the Old Testament we know is recognized as scripture. This is what the Jews had in possession. This is what they had. And many times Jesus himself would refer to them as scripture. So we know that the Old Testament we have is referred to as scripture. Jesus himself confirms that. And he says even things about himself. If we look at John 5 verse number 39, it says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which tell testify of me. Jesus is saying those scriptures you have, they are, yes, they're holy and they testify of me. So he labels them as scriptures. We understand the road to Emmaus. We see Jesus uh, who uh, appeared to these two walking down a road to a city called Emmaus uh, after he had uh, resurrected from the dead and he started to converse with them. And and we pick it up in Luke chapter uh, uh, 24, verse number 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was uh, seven miles from Jerusalem. And they walked together. All of these which had happened... uh, So all these things which had happened. So it was while they were conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Skip down to verse number 27 of that same chapter. And it says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus was not confused to say that this was scripture. This is holy. It is scripture. The scriptures that Jesus was referring to in the Old Testament is the scripture we have right here in in print today. And even that, I find that fascinating that over the years, the course of years, we still have this scripture that's uh, uh, lasted the test of time. And we see the, the very scripture that Jesus was referring to can be in our hands today. We can digest that. We can read that. and We can learn from that. I find it interesting back in Luke 4 when Jesus goes to the synagogue and they hand him a scroll. And for those of you who know your Bible, he was reading from the book of Isaiah where he said, listen, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and it says today the scripture has been filled in your hearing it finds it's fascinating to know that people back then were reading things that we're able to pick up and read now I remember Philip is going down the road and the Holy Spirit sent him to an Ethiopian who was reading again the book of Isaiah and they went through the scripture all talking about Jesus Christ so we know the old Old Testament is holy scripture and they consider it as holy scripture, Jesus himself. But what about the New Testament? Teaching of Jesus and letters distributed widely around the early church written by the apostles, they were given great importance and placed alongside the Old Testament as well. The Jews, they had the Old Testament, and when they started receiving these letters and accounts, they had so much importance, they placed them alongside the New Testament as well, and the authority the New Testament had among the early church was heightened, and they linked that to be Scripture also. 
We find that in 2 Peter 3, verse number 15, and going down to 16, the Bible says here, Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist in their own destruction, as they do also the rest of scriptures. So Peter is referring to the letters that Paul is writing and, and linking them to the rest of the scriptures. As he's talking about the letters that these people wrote, he says that these letters, they have a words of wisdom and we can learn from them just like you can learn from the rest of scriptures. In other words, these are added as scriptures as well. And everyone uh, kind of in the early church understood that that was scripture. They were speaking sound doctrine. So in all of that, I want to produce or speak about three eyes right now, if you allow me. The first one is inspiration. Everyone say inspiration. Verse number 16, the Bible says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek behind that literally means God breathed. In other words, scripture is literally the product of God's breath. Look at 2 Peter Uh, Chapter 1, verse number 20, and we'll go to 21 as well. It says, No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, this wasn't just a random book and had some nice philosophical thoughts. It wasn't just something that they brought off their own mind. No, they were moved by the Spirit of God. I remember speaking to somebody on outreach and I'm speaking about the Bible. I said, this is what the Bible says. And they said, the Bible is just an old book written by old men. And I'm like, on the contrary, the Bible is the living Word of God. Changed my life and can change your life also. This wasn't just drummed up out of men's thinking. Many authors wrote the, uh, the, the books of the Bible over, we said, 1,500 years. But what is funny is that it is all unified and there is a continuity. And these people never met each other. So you're thinking, how was that possible? Well, it's clear to see how that was possible. Because yes, they have had many authors, but really you can think they only had one author, and that's God himself. That's why we're able to see and go through the 66 books of the Bible, and there is a continuation. There is a link, all pointing to Jesus Christ. All you've got to do, just read with that in your mind. Think about Jesus Christ whenever you're reading any book of the Bible, and you'll see somehow, some way, there'll be a pointing, there'll be a linking. Everything continues. It is all unified. So now we don't just have authors who were just writing some good things. We have people who were moved, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So now the Bible, understand, is God breathed. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 13. The Bible says, These things we also speak, not in words which, which man's wisdom teaches, but words which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual Paul is saying the words that we speak don't come from man's wisdom. They come from what the Holy Spirit teaches. And he's able to say we can now compare spiritual with spiritual because the word of God is inspiration. That's the first eye. It's inspired. The second eye 
is inerrant. Inerrant. Because the word of God is literally God-breathed, it came from God, well then of course we can say it is inerrant. Or other words, it has no errors. There are no mistakes in the word of God. It is complete. And when we look at the complete, the original autographs, there is no mistake in the word of God. We understand in its entirety, it has no errors. Luke 24, verse number 44, it says here in these words, it says, Then he said to him, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures. Two things I want to look at there. He says everything should be fulfilled in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That is the entire Old Testament there. He, he said everything needs to be fulfilled. And we have to understand verse number 45. He says, and he opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures. So if there is a problem, you're reading the Bible and there's a problem, something doesn't match up, it's not the Bible, it's your understanding. I'll say that again, and I'll be bold to say that again. If there's something you read in this book, if there's something you pick up, you don't quite get it, doesn't quite make sense, it's not the Word of God, it's your understanding. Because Jesus said, listen, He opened their understanding that they may be able to comprehend the Scriptures. The Scriptures weren't at fault, it was us. Come on, sometimes you read things, you're like, okay, what, what does that actually mean? Don't think that that is wrong. Think, how can I understand this? And that's a prayer I actually pray. I'm like, God, open my understanding that I'm able to comprehend the scriptures. Holy Spirit, you wrote this. Speak it to me. Let me understand what it is you're trying to say. Over the years, many different philosophers, scientists, historians, quote unquote, smart people have tried to challenge the truth of the Bible, but the Bible continues to survive the challenges. Why? Because it is the inherent inspired Word of God. There is no mistakes in the Word of God. There is no contradiction in the Word of God. I, I love those arguments. I come on the streets. Uh, the Bible is full of contradictions. I'm like, okay, give me one. How many contradictions have you think I've heard in my life? None. I, they, they, I can't find one. I've been reading this book for a number of years now. I can't find a contradiction because there is one author and God doesn't contradict himself. It is the inspired Word of God, the inerrant Word of God, and the last I is the infinite Word of God, because its impact is limitless. Just look at two major things that it crosses, time and culture. If you think about that, that's really, really big, time and culture, because not everything or not many things can cross time and culture and still stand up strong. And the reason I say that is because if you think about time, there are many things we just don't do anymore. Because time has passed, we don't do that stuff no more, we've, we've gone on, we've, done, we've found new ways of working, new ways of doing things. If you just look at the technology in our life, we find, look at agriculture, there's ways we, we sow and harvest now completely different to how we did before. So sometimes things that you have before don't really stack up in a, in a, in a pace of time. Maybe even in our lifetime, maybe things you used to use as a child now doesn't really make sense anymore because we've, we've gone on now, we've advanced, we've advance in our, in our thinking and our ways of what we do things, how we travel is completely changed. You know, what we, what we eat uh, has changed, how we prepare things has changed. But through time, through years, the Word of God is still relevant. 
Come on, times have changed, things have changed, technology has changed, but the Word of God continues to be relevant. In fact, there's many things we have gotten because of the Bible. There's many things we understand because of the Word of God. Time continues to go on, but the Word of God still has an infinite impact. And how about culture? There's so many spectacular differences with the cultures we see in this earth, the people groups we have around this earth, the things people do, the things they get involved in. Cultures are different. Listen, the culture in West Africa is completely different to the culture in Europe. Come on now. The culture uh, 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 in, in Asia is different to the culture in North America. It's different. People do things different. They view things different. But when you enter, when you drop the Bible into that culture, it completely changes. Come on, I love the missionaries who went to China. Uh, uh, Hudson Taylor went to China, preached the gospel. There's times that they used to smuggle Bibles in China. And when they did, when people started to read the Word of God, doesn't matter what culture they came from, the Word of God penetrated their hearts, changed their lives. People were converted by reading the Word. They understand if I get caught reading this, I could die. But there's something in the Word of God that drew them to it. There's something in the Word of of God that when they read it their heart bled within them because it goes across time and it goes across culture I love the fact that when I get to heaven come on I hope you're going to be there with me come on now when I get to heaven we're going to look at the multitude Bible says we're going to see people of all different types Come on, there's all different languages, all different cultures, and all different types of music. Stuff. We're going to see all types of cultures. And there's one thing that brings us together, and that is God's Word. There's nothing else that does that. Nothing else that does that. And this same book is able to impact people of all groups in any historical time period. And look at this, Isaiah 55, verse number 10, it says... For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Look at verse number 11 here. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There it is right there. When God says it, it will never return back void or useless. And when he says it, it will continue to go on and accomplish all that he has. It will continue to go on and push through all the time barriers, the cultural barriers, and do what he wants it to do. That is the inerrant, inspired, infinite work of God. Now I want to look, as we carry on here, at the prophet. Not the prophet who speaks words. I'm talking about the prophet, as in this is profitable. Verse number 50, sorry, 16 of our text. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And profitable in many ways. Look at the list here. It says, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction into righteousness. Doctrine, first of all. Doctrine is telling us what is true about God, true about men, and true about the world that we live in. Also the world that is to come. How can we get that wrong? How can we get doctrine wrong? We get doctrine wrong because we start to impose our own meaning on text instead of letting the text speak for itself. 
Come on, there's things in the Bible we can just read and just let it speak for ourselves. We don't have to try and find some ulterior motive or ulterior meaning or anything like that. We don't have to try and find anything special. We just have to let the text speak for itself. Let the text speak because God has put that in his word. He's able to speak and things and word and lives can change. Now listen, I don't mind opinions on certain things. I don't mind opinions. Opinions are good. Um, I, 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 it's my opinion that Supermalt is probably one of the best drinks ever created. Come on. That's, that's my opinion. Uh, and if you don't share that opinion, you're wrong, okay? So it's, it, I don't mind opinions. I don't mind opinions. Uh, uh, you know, my, it's my opinion that uh, 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 the bass guitar is one of the best instruments ever made. It's my opinion. Come on now. Uh, Baz might have to agree with that one too. So I don't know if he does. He surely plays it like he does anyway. That's my opinion, but we can have difference of opinion. I don't mind that when it comes to things like food or drink or instruments or sports teams or stuff like that. Opinions are okay, but with the word of God, just proclaim. Come on, I don't need to enforce my opinion on the word of God. I just have to just preach and proclaim the word of God. Discussions and debate around doctrine is good. Don't get me wrong. To have a discussion around doctrine is good, but it must be biblically based. Come on, if you want to have a discussion with me or debate around certain doctrines of, uh, of the Bible, great, let's do that. But if you want to do that without biblical context, I don't want to hear it. Because it doesn't mean anything. If you're going to de- debate it, it has to be biblical. It has to be biblical because that's where we get our doctrine from. So all the funky doctrines we see in this day and age, and how many know there's many of them? Come on, these are all extra biblical doctrines. They're not found in the Bible. People have made their own things. And to the point where the Bible even talks about doctrine people have. Paul talks about how people will tell you to abstain from marriage or abstain from certain foods and so on and so forth. People will restrict people to certain days where they can worship. This in the doctrine is pure to see in the Bible. If we step outside of that, then we go into crazy doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable also for reproof. You see, reproof is, or the Greek word behind reproof, is something by which is proved or tested. Proved or tested. You know, there are many ideas today that just don't stack up with the test of the Bible. (laughs) There's many things I've heard even quote-unquote preachers say uh, that don't stack up with the test of the Bible. It doesn't stack up that way, which leads to the next point, which is correction. And how many know people don't like to be corrected? This is where people get offended. The Bible is profitable to correct people. The Bible is profitable to bring correction. Now, we're all under the authority of God's word. And when the Bible exposes our doctrine or our conduct as wrong, we're wrong. There's no arguing against it. There's no back and forth. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. Now, it seems weird that in 2023, I have to say that over a pulpit, under a mic. I have to say that to say, if the Bible says it's wrong, then it's wrong. But how many know that in this day and age that we live in, there's people who claim to say, I read the Bible, but then they say, well, actually, it's not necessarily wrong. You know, it's wrong. It may have been wrong back then, but now we've evolved. (laughs) What a a travesty. It's because people don't like to be corrected. 
People don't like correction. People don't like reading the word of God and, and, and seeing a clear command of God. And, and instead of being corrected, saying, Lord God, I repent, they have to make some different, you know, different doctrines and different viewpoints. It is profitable for instruction into righteousness. You know, instructions are, are good. How many know instructions um, make life easier? <laughs> Now, I say that because uh, when I was growing up, uh, me and my brothers, we had a phrase we used to call each other. We used to call each other, uh, if you had something to fix or something like that, and you picked up the manual, or you said, oh, why are you being a manual reader? In other words, why, why do you need to read a manual? You're not a real man if you have to read a manual. Come on, you just, just fix it. So we never used to read manuals. And what that resulted in was many cupboards and drawers and desks, kind of wonky, missing screws and stuff like that, because uh, we wouldn't read the manual. If I just picked up the instruction and said, listen, oh, that connects to that, it'll be easy. I don't have to scratch my head. I don't have to think about that. Listen, how many know this is the instruction book to life? It says this is the instruction to righteousness. And this is how we know how to live. This is what I'm going to base my life on. And look at Psalms 19 and verse number 7. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The simple are you and I, but we're made wise by the word of God. If people just followed, listen, can you imagine what this world would be like if everybody just followed the instructions of the word of God? How many things would not exist today if we just follow the word of God? Come on now. Come on, you have to understand. I can go, the, the list is endless. I think our prisons will be, will be empty if we just follow the word of God. Come on, abortion clinics. We wouldn't need abortion clinics. We just follow the word of God. Come on, the family breakdown, society breakdown would not exist if we just follow the word of God. If we just followed the instruction manual to life. Listen, we could live a blessed life. But many people feel, listen, I've got this. I can do this on my own. Paul said it's profitable for the instruction to righteousness. So why have I said that? Why have a slightly different sermon? It is a more teaching based. But why have I said all of that? Because of the last point here, found in verse number 17, it says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love it right there. Bible is profitable that we are to be complete. Complete means the Bible leads me to everything I need. If we would both be hearers and doers of the word, we'll be a complete Christian. And then we'll be equipped for every good work. Equipped. There is, equip, there is an, an equipping that takes place when we feed on the word of God. This reminds us that we're not in the business of just building, you know, sermons and, and you know, just for uh, things that sound good or motivational speaking. No, we need to be equipped. We need to be equipped for life. If we're going to face this journey called life and do life. We need to be equipped in order to do that. And sometimes uh, the equipping means you've got to put on some things which might be a bit heavy. You've got to put on some things which at first might not be very comfortable, but we have to be equipped to be ready for life, ready for what God has called us to do, ready for every good work the Bible says we have work to do. And the work we have to do, obviously, is found in Matthew 28, 
Verse number 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In order to fulfill that great commission, we need to be equipped. And church, I'm speaking about the inspired word of God so that we can look differently at our Bibles. Come on, when we go home, you can pick up your Bible, you can look differently at the Word of God. This is God-breathed. You can read it with a different flair. It is the Word of God, and it's not just uh, some of it. It is every single word is inspired by God. Listen, we need to delve into this thing, continue to read it, chew on it, digest it. You know, sometimes uh, people say, oh, I just read, but sometimes I don't even remember what I'm reading. Listen, it's like nutrition. Some, there's some parts of the Bible you just have to just... Take in, you know, if I had to tell you what did you eat three weeks ago, you might not be able to remind me, but how many know you needed it, your body needed the nutrition? But then again, there's some things, if I say, what did you eat in your wedding day, you'll be able to tell me because you remember exactly what it is and it had impact. That's like the Bible, some parts you'll be able to just reel off straight away because it has an impact for this day or for this situation. Some parts it's just nutrition and you don't know what it's doing inside of you. It's when you eat, you can't really see how the food is affecting you, giving you strength, building you up building your immune system you just eat and just carry on well that's how you need to take the bible the word of god you just put it in you let it nourish you let it build you up knowing that this is the inspired word of god inherent word of god there's no errors it's infinite completely will never end and will completely continue to change your life we need to look differently at the word of god and there is an attack on the word of god There was an attack on devotion. There was an attack on just continual, daily reading of the Word of God. I've said this before many times, and this is how you know it's spiritual. You could read anything. You could read fiction. You could read magazines. You can read uh, uh, fixtures for sports, and you've got full attention. You crack open the Word of God, and all of a sudden, you start yawning. Come on. All of a sudden, you start, oh, that's spiritual. Fight against that nonsense because the devil understands, the enemy knows how powerful the Word of God is. Listen, go get yourself a big study Bible and chew that thing each and every day. Be nourished. Be built up. Build your life around the uh, the Word of God. If it's not in the Bible, listen, reject it. If it's not doctrinally sound to the Bible, you must reject it. There's so many things out there on the internet nowadays. People are substituting the internet for the Word of God, and they get their nutrition from the internet. The problem is people can start to input things, and you're none the wiser. But if you're in the Word of God, you're not going to have the wool pulled over your eyes. You're able to say, no matter who it is who says it, saying, sorry, I don't believe that is correct because my Bible says this, thus says the Lord, and I will look anyone in their face, anyone in their eyes, and start to contend if it's not in the Word of God, I'm not having it. Because this is the inspired Word of God. God breathed, no errors, and it's infinite. Church, we need to uh, take this. Bible describes it as a sword. Bible describes it like fire, like a hammer that breaks up rock. We have something that goes through time and space, and it's the Word of God. Let's treat it as the inspired Word of God, and let's continue to chew on that. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. The inspired Word of God.